Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Look, we're all working this thing out. I want to pre preface it this message with a little bit of grace for yourself, because I had to have grace for me. So we were at the marriage getaway. Unbelievable, by the way. If you're married, I want to just encourage you, go. I would say that on Saturday morning, I heard the single greatest message I have ever heard on the man and woman relationship. And so uh, anyways, it was, it was powerful, but also... Palm Springs has very few flights out of it or into it. And so I was trapped in a layover in Las Vegas with a delayed flight. I don't know why Southwest for the last year and a half. You guys have not had a flight that wasn't delayed, but I believe this is the year you're gonna have one flight that isn't delayed. And so I am working on this message on being a good dad with my two little boys going psycho in an airport. They're at that... They're at that delirious, tired stage, you know, like nine or 10, a couple hours past bedtime where everything's either funny or they're gonna cry. Like, they're, they're, there's no emotion besides pure laughter or freaking out. And so we're in that state, and, and I'm trying to write this message, and my kids are just jumping all over the walls, and I, I'm, as I'm writing about being a good dad, I am barking at my kids. I'm like, stop it, knock it off. Stop, stop punching your brother, knock it off. Go talk to your mother. You're like, I'm just off my ringer, like, just, you know, they're coming up, Dad, can I? No, don't ask me a question. You know, I'm just like rejections flying from me, like anger. And all of a sudden, I'm about on point three. And the Holy Spirit's like, you should read what you're going to preach. Because your poor wife is holding two crying boys. And they weren't crying necessarily because I did thing, but I just was very not an active dad in the moment. So I said, all right, Jesus, you get to help me write the third point. I'm gonna take out my headphones. And, you know, I started hugging my boys and loving on them. And I don't know why, all of a sudden, they just started flexing. And then they're like, Dad, show me your arm. And I show my arm. And both of them went, whoa. And I was like, man, I should do this more often. I feel great. <laughs> Easy crowd. Easy crowd. <laughs> so I felt great and reconnected with my kids. But I just wanna extend that with you because, look, it's not always easy. Right, And I'm so thankful for the grace of my Heavenly Father who gently reminds me, okay, like get it together. And so the title of my message today is called Catch and Release. Catch and Release. Uh, I grew up, my dad liked to take me fishing. And uh, as a younger kid, I couldn't figure out what exactly, I mean, it was fun when you caught a fish, but it was a, like two hours of staring at water not playing in the water. You had to be quiet. You know, you try to like throw rocks. It's like, you're scaring the fish away. And so I'm like, and we're just waiting for that line to do this. And then it got exciting, but then it was kind of boring again. But I realize now growing up that I actually, I don't, I mean, if my dad just wanted to fish, I probably wouldn't have been invited, you know? And I do actually understand now the peace and quiet. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> There's a scene in Star Wars where, uh, Yoda's trying to teach Luke the ways of the force and Yoda just dies all of a sudden. And I'm like, it makes sense because I have been asked so many questions as a dad that I have thought like, I, I might just die. <laughs> if I hear one more question, I may choose the way of Yoda and just be like, I'm out. <laughs> 
Uh, and and bo- bo- your kids will ask you so many questions down a line that now you've gotten into like theological territory that like theologians are debating, you know, because they just keep asking why. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is beyond even me, son. And you're five. <laughs> and so... You know what I'm talking about. But catch and release, I grew up fishing with my dad, and catch and release is a term where you'd catch something, and then you'd release it so somebody else would get to catch it. And you had this cycle, and in a communist country of California where I grew up, uh, that was, like, preferred and all that. But anyways, um, catch and release, catch and release. And that, that I was thinking about that, and I realized that so much, so much of fatherhood was meant to be catch from Heavenly Father, and release. See, my job as a dad is to catch what God is saying for my boys and to release it on them so that one day they'll catch their Heavenly Father's voice because they'll go, wait, I kind of remember. I know what this sounds like. I know what this encouragement feels like. I've, I've had a taste of it. It wasn't perfect, so I want to take that off of dads. We're not going to be perfect, but the more I can have them catch what God is saying basically to me than when it's their turn. Because my job is to have my kids catch the Lord so I can release them to the Lord. Every parent, look, we we can't hold on forever. Like, this is the point. Our job is to release fully functional adults that will not be a burden on society. Like, that's that's the baseline goal, right? And some days you're like, I don't think we're gonna hit that mark. I'm just going for not prison right now. You know, like uh, there are days I'm looking, I'm like, we're just going for, <laughs> kidding. But you know, our, that's my goal is I'm not gonna always be number one in their life. I'm not always gonna be, right now they're still under the illusion that dad is the strongest man on earth and I will hold to that lie as long as I can. <laughs> they ask me regularly, like they'll ask, just so you know, most men in this room, you've already been sized up by my boys. They'll ask me, dad, could you beat up uh, Tyson? And I, just so you know, to my boys, absolutely. I could take him, I would drop him like a rock. Like, it wouldn't even be hard. Honestly, it's not even fair. I'll probably use one hand, son, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm okay with my boys seeing me as Superman in this season, right? And so, <laughs> that has nothing to do with the message. But I, what I want them to catch, though, is that their Heavenly Father really will be that. Where I, where I will, won't hit that mark completely, their heavenly father will hit that mark. And so dad's in the room, parents in the room, our job is to catch what God is doing and then release it to our kids so they in turn will catch what God wants to do with them and release it to the world and their kids. And that is our goal, to catch and release. And uh, where's that in the Bible? I'm gonna start in John chapter five and then I'm gonna go to Matthew chapter five. You have to understand that when Jesus came, there was some teaching that he had that was controversial. And the more I read the Bible, the more I realize that the thing that he came that shattered the religious paradigm, that still contends with religion today. The spirit of religion hates this part and will do everything it can to break that down, is that Jesus came and said, God can be your father. We're used to that. That's actually become kind of ingrained in Judeo 
Christian values, and we're, we grew up in Judeo-Christian Western values. So, but understand that the first time Jesus said that, it ticked a lot of people off. How dare you lower God to relatable to you, you pleb, you are not worthy. Sound like religion a little bit? That's always the voice. It always, it doesn't elevate God. It brings you down. Instead of saying you could be elevated, but then look at how big God is. He doesn't have to, it crushes man. Anyways, Jesus came and messed that up. John chapter five, he comes in, he heals a man who has been lame for 38 years. And all the religious people can do is say, how come you're telling him to carry his mat on a Sunday because it's the Sabbath? How dare you disrespect the Lord? And Jesus is like, he's walking. Do you see that? Do you see like he just got healed and you're worried about him carrying the mat. But that's where we pick up on our story. I want to read this because I want to catch these couple verses here, verse 19 through 21. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. That's how much religion rages against the father's love. That's, that, 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 that spirit hasn't changed, by the way. That spirit doesn't change. When it's on somebody, it's ugly. They sought to kill him all the more because he broke, the, not only did he break the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I call you like, he's, just, he's not just saying, I know, he's like, most assuredly. This is 100%, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself just read this for a minute as a, as a dad, if you're a dad. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. What he sees. Men, real quick, in this house, dad or not a dad, you were called to be the spiritual leader of your household. And I think just the way God made us, Women, usually their hearts are a little more in tune with the Holy Spirit. I think they do have a little advantage that they're, they're softer to the Lord, usually. But in the same way, that edge about a man. See, man was created in the wilderness. Woman was created in the garden. Literally says that in Genesis. So men, we have an edge to us where we, we were meant to tame wilderness and expand the garden. That was our design and so we have this edge. It's not a bad thing. Masculinity is not toxic. It's very important. But we have to be aware that it also can have, give us a bend towards, you know, wanting to be a little more isolated, a little less emotional, a little, we're a little more cautious in that area. I would actually say that we're weaker in that area. Right. It's not necessarily strength that keeps us protective. It's like, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, I just remember my grandpa. He loved us, but the only way he could show that was providing because as a little kid, you're like, Grandpa, I love you. And he'd just, hmm. I'm going to go in the yard and work on something. Like, literally, like I had never heard those words. He just didn't know how. It wasn't a strength. It was actually him going, I don't know how to feel emotions. So I just put them down, you know. And so, uh, but it is important for us as men is that our, our kids don't just hear what we say about God or hear about our relationship with God. They actually see. Yeah. It's what they see you do. That's why we have men's prayer on Tuesday. That's why it's one of the most critical things in our church is we can teach men to pray. We can literally transform the world. 
I'm not saying women's prayers aren't just as effective. I'm just saying that when, when a man will step up and be the spiritual leader, and let me tell you, it's never too late to start doing that. If you're a grandpa, you're a great grandpa, do not hear condemnation or shame, but I'm just saying you want to see everything go to the next level, be a spiritual leader. Your kids watch what you do, not what you say. So you can tell the kids, yeah, 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 no, no, church is important, but they're not looking at, they look at you on Sunday morning, is your wife the one being like, get out of bed, we're going to church, or are you the one saying, let's go, get in the car, come on, we're not going to be late for church, church time, let's go, you know, or, or during football season, do they, they say, oh yeah, God's really important, but my team's playing today. So, you know, like, record the game. You can still tell them football's important. I believe in football. I love football. But, but that's a recording, you know? Like, show your kids not just with words, but what you do. Anyways, I'm going off. Here we go. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most surely I say to you, the son can do nothing by himself. He sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Keep going. For the father loves the son and shows him, shows him, all things that he himself does, he will show him greater works than these that he may marvel. I'll stop there. See, what I want to get first and foremost is that um, we're trying to help our kids catch something, but we can't release something. How do they catch it? We release that on them, but we can't release what we haven't first caught. We haven't released, we can't release what we haven't first caught. And the, in the end of the message, I'm going to teach a little bit on how we catch that. But I, wanna, I want to uh, go back to the first sermon Jesus did when he released for the, really the first time publicly with a large crowd, the concept of God being Father God, which by the way, like I said, was not like oh yeah, that's cool. It was met with, what is this? No one has ever taught this. That, that the God Almighty wants to be Abba Father. And so the first big public sermon of Jesus's ministry, he, he begins to present with the undertones of what the gospel would be. He presents that there's a father in heaven who, and he presents expectations and what the father wants us to catch. And so I'm going to do a quick synopsis. If you're taking notes, I want you, you can study the flow that I'm going to talk about here. But from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's Jesus' full sermon documented. And there's a flow in there. And so for point number one, what I want to give you is these are the things that we, in relationship with our Heavenly Father, need to catch so that we can release that to maybe our own kids or just to other people, to God's kids, because it's catch and release. So what are some things God wants us to catch? Well, he starts off the sermon with saying a simple truth. Persecution isn't always bad. Persecution isn't always bad. We are in a society right now that the highest, that culture will teach you that the highest level of anything, the most important factor is Call it tolerance and kindness above all else. And listen, we're not intentionally trying to hurt people's feelings, okay? If, if you're one of those people that likes to go out on the weekends and hold up a turn or burn, you're gonna burn in hell if you don't love Jesus. You know, like if you're one of those people, stop it. You're not helping anyone. You're hurting the team. Knock it off. You're not discipling. It's relationship. On the flip side, though, of that is if nobody has a problem with your belief system, do you really believe anything of substance? 
if nobody ever says, well, I don't see how you see. If you're, I mean, it's just, that's where we get this. Your brain, you're so open to everything that your, your head's so open to any idea that your brain falls right out. You know, like we, we, there is a level of the Bible promises that when you're walking with Jesus, some people aren't gonna like it. They're not gonna like it. And we have to teach, we have to catch from our father that my job is not to please everyone. My job is to please my heavenly father. And then the Bible says, as far as it's possible to live in harmony with one another. But I, but I will not forsake pleasing my heavenly father. I will not say, well, God didn't really say this is truth to make other people feel better. I, I, I have to go, the two, the two greatest commandments are love your father with all your soul and then love your neighbor. You cannot forsake the first to follow the second. And, and the world, that's why they're confused because we say we know the truth, we have the answer, but then when they're like, well, what's the truth about this? We're like, oh, I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to offend, you know? And so we have to be willing to say the truth. So it's important for us dads. We got to teach our kids that not everyone is always going to like you and that's okay as long as you're choosing to do the right thing, right? right. Too many people grow up being people pleasers. So Jesus starts right off there with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who do this. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Then he goes into what what you do matters, so dads, I want to help us here. We need to teach our kids what they do matters. What, what they choose to do has significance. They are not cosmic mistakes that were once primordial goo that climbed out of the ocean and then, you know, were monkeys that had better thumbs and learned things quicker. No, that is not who they were. They were made with divine purpose, divine strategy, fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, we are killing our children. We are killing our children by telling them they're a mistake, that they weren't fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're nothing more than an animal, that you have no more significance than You were made in the image of God. What you do matters. Too many people are hopeless because they don't actually think they matter. If you matter, then what you do matters. And so we gotta teach our kids what they do matters. Then Jesus goes in in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, he says, there is right and wrong. My goodness, we have to have that. Kids are so confused. You know the satanic Bible's main theme? So we have like the golden rule, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, love your neighbor, right? That's the goal, they would call that the biblical golden rule. You know what the satanic golden rule is? Do what makes you happy. I am at a resort with my kids this week and we usually don't watch like, we stream, right? I'm not used to regular TV, but I turn on Nickelodeon and I go in the other room for two seconds and a commercial comes on and there's some funny looking people with lots of color and they say, be true to you. Happy Pride Month. And I run in the room, turn the TV off. I say, kids, that is evil. Not the, not the, not the people, not, but be true to you. That is setting your child up for utter failure in life. That is literally a page out of the demonic Bible and saying, you know what? However you feel, that's your identity. However you feel today. Listen, my son regularly, regularly wants to be a dinosaur. I am not gonna invest time and money into surgical procedures to edify how he feels right now. He's not a dinosaur. He's a boy, and that's okay. 
that he likes dinosaurs. I'm not against dinosaurs, but I'm not. But that's, do you understand that if, if there is no right and wrong, if there is no absolute truth, we, that's why kids are, are suicidal. There's an identity crisis. Because like, oh, be whoever you want to be, but we've given them no firm foundation to stand on. So they say, well, you said I'd feel happy because I, I felt like this yesterday. Anyone remember being a teenager? You can't trust your emotions when you're a teenager. Trust nothing of yourself when you're a teenage boy. That's like, my, I'm convinced the most dangerous thing on earth is a 17, 18-year-old male. They have enough t- t- testosterone to jumpstart a dead elephant. <laughs> they have zero, the part of the brain that connects, uh, you know, a cause and effect or uh, danger to behavior has not even developed. That's not gonna hit till about 25. I can remember the first time I actually had the voice say in my head, this is dangerous, you could die. And I was definitely in my high 20s. Like, <laughs> that was the first time <clears throat> and I was married and I started, I had like some real response. But, so I'm just saying, there's nothing more dangerous and if you're a 17, 18 year old boy, it's fine, you're gonna survive, but don't, trust not your own understanding. <laughs> Lean into your mom and dad. All right. <laughs> you know, I was a dangerous that age. So anyways, we, there, is that, there is right and wrong. Also, in the same hand, there's right and wrong. Jesus then points out nobody's perfect. He actually then goes hard for about a chapter and a half on you've heard it said don't murder, but I'm gonna tell you that if you harbor hate in your heart for your brother, you've already broke that law. You've said it said don't commit adultery, but if you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already committed adultery. He goes hard and points out there is a right and wrong, and then he points out none of us are hitting that mark perfectly. And that is a detriment to some strong dads and just strong parents can really ingrain right and wrong, but forget that we need grace. So Jesus really drives home, there is a right and wrong, and none of us can hit that. That's important for our kids to learn. That although we strive for perfection, perfection is not the goal, growth is the goal. Growth is the goal. Growth is the goal, and our kids should feel that that tension. That's why I'm just gonna give you a pro tip here. When my kids are disobedient, they're six and five, happens every once in a while. Each hour, okay? And so when, they, when they're not hitting the mark, we, we really have trained ourselves in our home. I don't say, why are you being such a brat? Why are you being a punk? Why are you being a bad boy? I say, you are a good boy and good boys don't do this. I isolate the behavior from the, from the, from the identity. Little pro tip, okay? And I, I didn't grow up like that, so if you haven't done that, I'm not saying your kids are screwed forever. Like, like most of us didn't grow up like that, but I'm telling you, we wanna isolate identity from behavior, but we don't, we don't make excuses for the behavior, right? You're a good boy. Good boys don't punch their brother in the nose. Say sorry. I know, too real. You're a good boy. Let's shift the behavior, Right? And deal with the consequences. All right, so for, um, next thing Jesus teaches. This is his first message talking about there's a heavenly father. Why am, I want to parallel this. Do you understand that when he introduces God as father, he then says these are core things that you need to understand what this means for you. And that our job is to catch and release this. And so I want you guys, your homework is to study the Sermon on the Mount. It's a beautiful three chapters in the Bible. The next thing he says is you need to 
after he points out that none of us are perfect, he says, you need to learn to forgive others and not seek revenge. You've been given grace, now you need to give grace. Can I tell you, with all the health food trends, there's, for your body, and I, after many years of ministry, I promise you, the most toxic thing you can put in your body is not MSGs, GMOs, gluten, lectin, whatever, okay? And all the new diets, fat, not fat, like protein, whatever. The most toxic thing you can put in your body is unforgiveness, without a doubt. A dear friend of mine, she is a um, cancer doctor. She does a surgery that only three people in the world can do. She is very elite in her field. And she is convinced that 99% of all cancers have to do with some form of unforgiveness. And she is, I mean, this is, she's going science. Telling you the most toxic thing. We need to teach our kids that unforgiveness is toxic. And we've got to model that. So I want to encourage you, if you've got unforgiveness for like a, a sibling in your family and your kids are watching you not at least extend reconciliation. You can't make them respond the way you want, but you can extend. Model that for your kids. Forgiveness. Have no unforgiveness for your kids' sake too because they'll learn from what you do, not what you say. So he says, don't seek revenge, forgive. Generosity he teaches on. We need to teach our kids to be generous. Share. We say that a lot in our house. Share. You gotta share. Share. Stop it. Share. Share. Over and over and over. Teach, teach them how to Pray. Pray. Every night, that, this is my role in the house. I put the boys to bed almost every night and I pray with them. Why? Because I want them to see this is what we pray. And I have a whole thing and I, I, I guarantee my goal is that they will never be able to get that prayer of their head. Even though I'm not in, I want to teach them also how to flow. I pray the same things over them every night because when the enemy comes in like a flood, I want them to go, I know, I remember, I'm loved, I'm, I'm tall, brave, handsome, kind, generous, smart, humble, uh, prosperous, and wise. These are the, I, I want them to remember that order, that these are who I am. Anyways, uh, so we pray, life isn't all about possessions. This is really important. God doesn't, in fact, God loves to bless his children. The Bible's really clear on that. What he doesn't want is the possessions or the blessings to have control over you. You can have blessings, just blessings can't have you. That's why every week we preach on generosity and that's why as parents, we wanna, and as dads, we wanna model that, that uh, life isn't about the possessions, but also we celebrate and we're thankful. Yeah. We're thankful and we share those, we share those with others. Uh, take personal responsibility, be, be persistent in prayer. So pray until you actually see a change. Not, I have the prayer every night over my boys, but I want to be persistent with my kids. Treat people with respect. And this is the last one. Judge a tree by its fruit. Listen, this world is really good at taking nice words that God likes the definition originally and taking that word and hijacking it and putting it under a thing that was not where it intended to be. There are words that the devil is using hard right now, hard right now, to get truth to be silent. Equity, diversity, uh, inclusion. These are all just some of the words, okay? I'm I'm not against any of those things. In fact, in their real definition, they are biblical and they are beautiful. I love a diverse church, but we are all humans. 
We are all children of God. You, your melatonin or lack thereof has nothing to do with, the, with who you are as a person. Martin Luther King had it best. I dream of a day that man would be judged based on their character, not the color of our skin. And we have gone so far from that that now we divide people by that. It's toxic. Okay, I said this in the last service. What the beauty of diversity is heritage, is food, it's culture, it's, it's the things you bring into it of, of a unique expression. Like, like I said, if you want to know what meat was supposed to taste like, taste like you got to hang out with our Brazilians or, even our, 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 our Latin people in our church. Like they understand, carne asada was what God intended steak to be. That was intentional. You know, like, but, but I'm... Me, you, we're, we're men that bleed the same. We both want good things for our children. Do you get what I'm saying? We shouldn't be divided. Diversity should actually be a celebration, not a division. Anyways, that's an example. Now, point number two. And I'm gonna go through this quick because we're gonna, we're gonna land in a beautiful place. So point number one is what we need to catch. These are some truths. So Jesus comes and he presents a whole new idea. God's your father and here's the truths he wants to reveal. So your homework is to dig deep in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, okay? Now, we, we wanna catch and release, but how do we do this? How do we go from, okay, God, I know you want me to, how do I grow in this? How do I step into this? Well, one, it's first the revelation that first, you are your children's lens, and your lens of God was probably shaped by your father figure and your parents. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me, let me give you an example here. If you grew up with a stoic, you know, non-emotional dad that just, he, 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 he was faithful, he provided, he went to work, he came back, then you're gonna see Father God like that. He's not interested in your feelings. He's not interested in your emotions. He's not interested in being lovey with you. He's just gonna, you know, he's just, he's constant. He's up there. If you need anything, knock on the office door, but be polite and be quick, you know, because he's working. He's busy right now. You'll see God is too busy for you if your dad was too busy for you. If your dad was harsh and angry, judgmental, hard on you, always told you you didn't do good enough. You know, you, you got an A minus and he's like, why isn't it an A? You know, you, got, you scored one goal in the soccer game. He's like, why didn't you get two? Then you're gonna feel like God's always expecting more of you, that you're never good enough for God, that you haven't achieved. If your dad was abusive, you'll, you can have this tendency, I, I, got, I don't wanna get too close to God because I don't wanna get hurt. If your dad disappeared, Father God's gonna let me down. I shouldn't bother praying. And then, you know, I prayed that one time and he let me down, it's just the same. So we've got a responsibility to one, recognize that we probably started our relationship with Father God through the lens of our parents. And we have a responsibility to take the good, throw out the bad and get to know our Father in heaven. Because the cool thing is, Look, I had a great dad. I'm very thankful. But he was a first-generation Christian. You know, he grew up, like I said, my grandpa, I don't know if anyone's ever heard him say the words, I love you, besides my grandma on their wedding day. Like, so my dad made huge leaps and bounds. But I could, you know, there were areas where sometimes he was stoic. 
He was distant sometimes. You know, when we were really little, we were tight financially. We grew up poor, and so I knew he was stressed because he wanted to be a provider. And so all these things, I don't judge. I'm so thankful for what he did give me, but my job is to then go to Heavenly Father and say, God, where did, it, where did maybe the gap happen? Let me get to know you. My dad gave me enough to recognize who my real dad is. And so now I come to you and will you fill that in with me because my boys are gonna see you first through the lens of how I treat them. And that's a divine responsibility. And I don't, I don't live under fear or shame, but I do have a drive. Dads just want to say, like, any advance, I don't care how old your kids are, any advance towards getting to know God will have a ripple effect on your kids. And so we've got to have a personal responsibility to recognize that we're going to be the lens. And catch and release. I've got to release to my boys as much as I can the voice of the Father so one day they'll catch and they'll be like, oh, he's calling me because dad helped set that up. And for those of us who didn't have good dads or didn't have dads at all, you know the goodness of God because even maybe you didn't get that, but God, you still found your father's voice. But just know we can make it easier. We can make it easier. John 10, three through five says this. Jesus was talking once again, getting in trouble with the Pharisees. To him, the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Church, our job is to make sure that we are getting with our heavenly father to learn his voice so we can catch it so we can release it. Amen? Amen. Amen. And no matter where you are, you can step into that. The goal of a father is to make sure the kids are familiar with the way Jesus talks. Ephesians 6, 4 says, do not provoke your children to anger by, way of, by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. See, my kids are watching what I do and what I say. So there's just a few things. Let me help you. One of the things when my kids ask why we're going to church again, I tell them, Tuggles go to church. Tuggles go to church. Tuggles serve at church. Tuggles love Jesus and we're thankful that we get to go to church. That's, that's my job as a dad. I cannot, I'm not supposed to put that on mom. And like I said, so I just wanna say, men, let's be the ones on Sunday morning who are not getting dragged to church. Let's be the ones that's dragging everyone, okay? You should be the mule just hauling your family to church. You know, throw up on their clothes and everything. Thank you. Thank you. Don't put that on your wife. Trust me, it has residual effects too. It's attractive. So I'm just saying, men, you're welcome. You step into that. You'll, there are residual effects you will appreciate. Okay, so be the spiritual leader. Spend time with God. Men, if your only time with God personally is at church, you're just missing so much of his voice. We have a lot of opportunities. We have men's prayer. We have all these things. But bottom line is you have to become a self-feeding man of God if you want your kids to hear the voice of God. And finally, implement spiritual disciplines. Show some discipline. Any relationship, okay? Any, for those of you who've been married more than like six months, the first six months, it's just beautiful chaos, okay? But then you realize, wow, actually real relationships aren't like, oh, they require work. They require 
setting a time for date night, setting a time for connection where, oh, but it should be organic. Well, no, when you have kids and responsibilities, it's not. <laughs> You've gotta actually be intentional. So set up some disciplines. All right, and point number three, and we're gonna end here. Great sons make great dads. And I would say great daughters make great moms too. Great kids make great parents. Bible says, Jesus said, to approach God, you have to be like a child. Look, when I'm with my boys, I'm He-Man. I'm unshakable. You know, like, like I said, as far as they're convinced, I could beat up anyone in this church, and they've asked regularly. <laughs> but in the early morning before they're up, I go to my daddy. I say, hey, Dad, I'm nervous about this. I'm scared right now in this area, or I, I need to know what you say about this situation. I come like a kid to my, to my heavenly father. And you know what? I hear him say, I got you. I am he, man. I will not let you down. This hard thing you're going through, actually, I'm building you. Every good dad knows that too, by the way. Like we're, I, I, we were at the airport at like one in the morning last night with our boys. And they are just like, they woke, they woke up from the plane. My legs hurt, I'm so tired. You know, we got bags, we can't carry them. And mom's like, honey, let's just go slow. They're so tired. And I'm like, come on, boys. Car's in the garage. We got this. Maybe we should run. Let's run. I mean, I, I'm pushing. Not because I don't love them and I'm thankful that mom protects them from some of me because I'm intense, but, but that balance is important. I, my job is to say, hey, I know this feels hard, but I need you to be okay with this because there's gonna be other challenges that you will overcome if you're tough, <laughs> right? And so there's that, and that's what I get with my heavenly father. Hey, I know, I could take that away. I could remove that pain. I could just make it easy. I could, I, I could take it away, but... It, if you'll walk it with me, you'll get stronger. If you'll run with me, I, you'll actually get what you really want, which is victory, not just a uh, get out of jail free card. It's one thing when you play Monopoly and you get the get out of jail free card, like, oh, that's cool, great, I'll use this. It's another thing when you win Monopoly because it takes forever. <laughs> I've never finished a game. I just want you to know that. I've come close. But then really somebody gets mad and knocks the table over and then we lost everything. Anyways, <laughs> but the point, great sons make great dads. Yeah. What I wanna encourage any, everyone in the room today on Father's Day is I know dad stuff gets messy, but heavenly father, heavenly father steps in. He is the provider, the protector, the healer. And so, I want to close with these three things. These are three questions that every day, every day, Father God wants to talk to you about because they're questions that deal with sonship and being a son or a daughter of God. One, every day, ask yourself, what is God showing you? He is never, just like every day, I, I see my boys and I want to teach them something that'll help them. I want to get them more close to adulthood, right? Every day, God is trying to show you something. Are you listening? Number two, where is God healing you? Every day, 
I mean, maybe you've reached perfection. Maybe you have zero residual wounds from this world. Props to you. If you are that person, would you please stand up and float around the room so we could all, you can have my job immediately. But if that's not you, then every day God wants to heal something. He's working on it. Sometimes it's little incremental steps for a big thing. Sometimes it's a quick thing. There's days God just said, hey, I need you to stop saying that one phrase. And that was the end of it. We never talked about it again. Okay, God, out of my vocabulary. There's other things we've been working on for years, me and him. He's been, hey, you're, you're going back to that again. You're getting afraid of rejection again. Let me pull you out of that. Let me heal you a little more. And then finally, how are you doing in your purpose? There's not a person in this room that God doesn't have divine purpose for. How are you doing in your assignment? See, in, in Eastern culture, it was understood that if you were a son, until you were the, the patriarch of the family, if you were a son, you were an ambassador for your father and you were doing the family business. You spoke on the father's behalf. Now we kind of, in our Western culture, you know, it's like, what are you gonna be? I'm gonna be a doctor, I'm gonna be a lawyer. Like we go off and do our own thing. But back then, it was very understood that you had an assignment from your father. And so that would translate with kingdom. So God has an assignment. You're part of the family business. You're not just a lawyer, a doctor, a, a salesperson, a painter, a construction worker. You are adopted in the family of God and you are part of the family business. And God wants you to be working in the family business. Some of us don't even, have never even asked that question. God, what, are, what part do you want me to play in kingdom? Maybe it is at your job. Maybe he called you to be the greatest lawyer in the world. Maybe he called you to be the greatest construction person in the world, but are you implementing his assignment in the job? Does that make sense? Come on. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. It is Father's Day. What I feel God most wanting to say, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I want energy and uh, with this message, but I just have noticed that when Father God walks in the room, often there's just this sense of, it's like a breathe out. And that's what I feel God doing in the room today. It's just for each and every one of you know that Heavenly Father has it all figured out. And if you can just walk and say, what are you showing me? What are you healing in me? And what's my assignment? The details he's got figured out. The details he's got figured out. So uh, real quick, I wanna pray over all the dads in the room. You have a Heavenly Father who will show you and teach you how to be a good dad. And even if your kids are adults, he can still show you and teach you how to, how to be a priest and a king in their world, how to show up and be there for them. And so God, right now, I pray anointing and blessing over every dad in the room. I break the lies of the enemy that come after and make you feel insecure. Oh, I'm just not good enough provider. I'm not, just, I'm not good enough at this. I'm not living up to the bar. I break the shame and guilt off right now. And I thank you, God, that you are faithful and that you make up the gap and your grace is sufficient. Your grace is available for every dad in here. God, and I thank you for the good, I thank you for the dads that have, that have 
overcome, that we can look at some of the fathers in this house that didn't even have fathers, that are, that are fathering well, Lord, and we can uh, let, run together at men's prayer, run together and say, man, I wanna learn this. I thank you for the future dads in this room. I thank you that they're in a house where they're gonna get men partnering. Some of us, we learn the hard way and we're able to implement from that place, but God, I thank you for a house of wisdom for fathers and we just thank you and we honor and for, and now I wanna pray over everyone that maybe this morning you just still got a little twinge and you need to release some forgiveness for your earthly father. Release forgiveness for your earthly father. Recognize that he probably did the best he could with the cards he was held and the knowledge he had, but even if he didn't, release and just be thankful that you have life and that you're here today connected to your heavenly father. So God would just declare healing where there would be any pain with our earthly fathers. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.